This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is probably not going to get on the NFT train. I'm Motley Fool, Chief Investment Officer Scott Phillips, and I'm joined by Strawman, Managing Director and Founder, Andrew Page. G'day, mate. How are you? Very good, very good. I, I would, you know, never say never. I think we could uh, <laughs> we could cash in on an NFT opportunity. Oh, mate, can, can I tell you that we're going to talk about NFTs a little bit just in passing? Don't worry, not going to be not going to vote an episode to it. There is oh. something I, oh, I'm not going to give the, the conversation away. Let's let's just say if people are stupid enough to give me money for something, I'm happy to offer them whatever that thing is they want. And I don't think you're exactly wrong. Put it that way. Like, <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's one of those sucker born every minute kind of scenarios. And if that's the case, hey. <laughs> if they want a digital artwork of you and I, I'm happy to sell it to them. Uh, maybe we can do a deal after the program. Let's let's have a chat. Um, mate, uh, thank you for joining me this morning. Um, remind me again, what is strawman.com? Uh, yeah, I, I might have to, um, uh, I don't know, do, a, do an indoctrination program or something because it's it's not sticking, the idea, but it's- um, It's not, is it? <laughs> but um, for those with the slow on the uptake, we're a private online investment club. I feel like I feel like that was directed at me. <laughs> no, no names. <laughs> a private investor. That's interesting, and you can find you at strawman.com, I understand. Can you, you sure can, mate. You sure can. There you go. Check out. Check it out. Uh, also, go to fool.com.au. Just keep my boss happy. Um, two of the very, very, very best investment products on the market, in my humble view. Massively biased, but by the same token. Andrew is a good guy trying to do the right thing and the Motley Fool are trying to equally uh, do the right thing in a very conflicted world. We will talk a little bit about that, by the way, the world yes. of financial stuff. I won't necessarily call it advice, but that general kind of financial input, advice, influence, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yep. Mate, let's, um, let's kick it off this morning or this afternoon when it goes to air, but this morning, we're recording this on the 24th of March. Um <sighs> Interesting. So we're in budget season, right? Mm. I've, I've said before, much to everyone's chagrin except myself, because I don't actually care that people don't think I'm very normal. Uh, I love the federal budget. I love it because I'm a nerd and I'm a politics nerd and I'm a finance nerd. And I just, I, I love the idea of the kind of democratic tradition of once a year, the government lays it all out and says, here's how we're going to spend the money. We want to tell you all about it. Uh, you know, the whole, the whole, there's a bit of theatre too. Um, you know, I commend this budget to the House is how the Treasurer always finishes the, the speech, which I always smile at because it's just one of those things. It's so regular, an annual annual event. Uh, so, yes, I'm strange and unusual. But mm-hmm. oh, I say all that, other than just to state the bleeding obvious, to uh, to say that the we're in budget leak season. This is, you know, there was a time when the big announcements got made at the budget and every now and again a journo would get a scoop. Laurie Oakes famously got a scoop. He got a advanced copy of the budget papers way back in the day. Uh, these days, they kind of they, they leak selectively or announce selectively almost everything leading up to the budget to try and drag out the electoral benefit of of saying how much they're going to spend it on what. So we're in we're in leak season, mate. And apparently, we're going to spend billions of dollars building a vaccine facility. That's one thing. Okay. The other thing is apparently, if you believe the reporting, and again by by Friday afternoon, maybe this has been confirmed or otherwise, the treasurer is going to announce that he's going to promise apparently real wages growth. Now, let's break that down because wages growth itself has just been hard enough to come by in the last 15, 20 years for most people. But on top of that, real growth, real in this case is an economic term, meaning after allowing for the effects of inflation. So nominal growth, if if I get 2% wages growth, if my packet goes up 2%, that's a nominal increase of 2%. Now, if inflation goes up by 3%, i have had a real decline of 1% because I'm buying less with my money. 
if I get a 4% raise in a 3% inflation world, then I have a real increase of 1%. So effectively, the Treasurer is apparently, reportedly, going to promise that wages will grow faster than inflation in the year ahead. Oh. Now, can I say, I think it's a very, 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 very good bet that wages increase in the next 12 months. We know that unemployment is getting much lower. Uh, we know that there are wage pressures breaking out around the place. I think it's a really, really high probability that the average wage goes up in the next 12 months. If inflation ends up being 3 or 35 or 4%, he's effectively promising a wage rise of at least that or more. And I, well, I'll ask you, I, do, do you think that is likely to happen? What odds would you give that the Australian wage earner goes forwards rather than backwards in the next 12 months? Oh gosh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm I don't know how you can promise such a thing. To, that was what's, my thought too. <laughs> what's the mechanism in, involved? Are, are they going to set a new minimum wage standard? Uh, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. Look, look, seriously, mate. You you've been around long enough to know better than that. The companies <laughs> don't have to deliver what they promise. They just have to make the promise. You're you're you're, you're assuming there's some sort of delivery mechanism that's required on on this sort of stuff. Governments oh. just announce stuff and then they promise stuff mm. and then we vote for them and then they forget about it. There's this. There's core promises and non-core promises. There's LAW law tax cuts, uh, one from each party there for those who want to feel like I'm being partisan. Um, they don't have to deliver it. You just have to promise it, don't you? Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I, I think it's just stepping back a bit. It's mm. it's actually been a problem for a while, um, particularly in certain sectors. So how that's going to reverse very quickly with with you know, some undisclosed mechanism, <laughs> I, I don't know. I hope it happens. A lot of people yeah, are struggling out there. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, I I don't know. Yes, will wages go up? Yeah, sure. We, we've, we've got a pretty tight labour market. Lo, lo, mm, unemployment's yeah. as low as it's ever been. Mm. Lots of people looking for employees, lots of job ads out there. You've got to think in a... In a properly functioning market, you know, that that, mm. that is going to see an increase. But, we, but we've also, I mean, we've been talking about it for ages. Inflation is just, you know, this this big thing. And, and it, for, by all accounts, it looks as though it's going to be in, increasing sort of at above average rates. So yeah. I, it's, it's, a, it's a bold promise to make. It is, mate. I, and realistically, this is the challenge, right? If, if inflation was 1%, you're promising real wage increases. I, I'd, almost, I'd almost buy it. If inflation is going to come in at three or four percent, then the wage increase needs to be four or five percent, or you know, it doesn't need to be one percent higher. It can be just zero point zero one. You'll claim a, a win, but it just strikes me as a, in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in an environment where inflation is growing. Frankly, we're all hoping that inflation doesn't get to the level it is in the UK and the US of seven plus percent. Because if that happens, we're not going to see those sort of rises. It's, it's a it's a bold call, as you say. He can't can't deliver it, of course, um, arbitrarily. Hopefully, the economic settings do deliver it, because as you say, it's something that's desperately needed. I just I just thought it was interesting in the context of everything else we're talking about recently. Um, Without inflation, as you mentioned, this was a. It was. I said maybe it's a gutsy call. Maybe it's just a politically convenient call. It never has to be delivered, uh, as I joked. But it is a. It is an interesting one because, in theory, you should say, look, unemployment under four percent. Hopefully soon, uh, that should put some pressure into the wages market, if you like, into the amount we're getting paid. Because in theory, we should be able to all ask for a little bit more from the boss. But it's, uh, it's a big difference between that and actually having something that beats inflation in an uncertain inflation world. And I just think, as you say, people are struggling. The, the oil prices through the roof. Interesting enough too, mate, during the week, it, it occurred to me, I, I looked at some numbers. The Australian dollar has actually gone from 69 cents in late Jan to 75 cents as of literally this morning. Again, we're recording this on Thursday the 24th. Mm. Uh, that's, you know, what's that, six cents? So call it 
10-ish percent among friends, a little tiny bit less. In another world where US and UK put rates up, ordinarily, if you'd said to me, absent anything else, and there are some specific anything else's we need to factor in, mm. it's the case that Australia, the Australian dollar should have fallen. If your major, because you know, the Australian dollar versus the US dollar, when they put rates up, the US dollar is in more demand relative to ours. All things being equal, that should push up the US dollar and then by definition, because these things are expressed in, in pairs, pushes down the Australian dollar. Mm. If the dollar had gone from 69 cents to 65 or 63 cents, we'd be paying a hell of a lot more for petrol. I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of fortunate in a way that, and this is the, the anything else or the, the all else, uh, you know, commodities are surging and particularly... Yes, oil, ironically, in this context, uh, but also iron ore, coal is through the roof as well. The Australian dollar is being sent as a commodity currency, but without that, we'd be, we'd be. I, I mean, I'm not a currency trader, I'm not even a currency predictor, but it's not unreasonable to believe that based on by theory and, and the evidence of the past, oil could be 20, 30% more expensive now in Australian dollars mm. than it actually is if the dollar had gone the, the other direction. Yeah. Well, speaking of frivolous government policy, uh, promises, <laughs> didn't didn't someone say not long ago that uh, petrol prices would be long, lower under under their government? And, and again, oh. it's sort of like, yeah, it sounds great, but uh, how do you actually downward, do downward that? Downward pressure made us the favourite politician's line. So that would have to actually that have to say it's lower. So it's lower than it would have otherwise been. Yeah, they, they are yeah. master of the counterfactual, which is uh, unprovable because they like to be able to say, well, those guys would have had a higher, but I'm lower than they would have done it. So you can't prove Ridiculous. it. That's a nice line. Yeah. So, well, look, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, I saw 220 yesterday, um, mm-hmm. uh, per litre. And so, yeah, it, it, yeah. it could have, it could have been up in the high twos very easily. It literally easily. could, mate. It literally yeah. could, which, you know, it's high enough already. But man, we, again, just, just absolutely hit on the backside by a rainbow in this case. Um, because of that, had the dollar gone the other way, a really, really, really different scenario. Well, this is what makes the inflation question so hard, you know? So, I mean, that's a, that's a big mm-hmm. part of it. Um, yes. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say before is, is that let's say that, uh, the negotiating power tilts more towards the t- towards labour, mm. um, as in workers, not Labour Party. You're talking right. About. Sorry. Just yes. Like, no. Just just as I heard, it was like I just want to clarify that in case someone's like, "What do you mean? Why is Labour, Labour Party doing?" You're gone. Sorry. Labour versus capital kind yes, of yes. thing. Yes. Uh, and and wages do go up. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, but but so the, so company costs go up, and <laughs> yeah, right. any company that has the capacity will increase mm. prices. Mm. So you kind of got this, you've got this really weird sort of dynamic that's 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 going on where it's mm-hmm. kind of like ironically enough, higher higher wages while good might just only further stimulate the the inflationary pressures that we're seeing. So And that's and that's the hard part, right? You and I are old enough just uh, you're, you're a science major. I'm not sure how much attention you were paying to the economy back then. I was a, I've always been a science economics nerd from way, way back. So um, when I was at, at high school, we learnt about the wages and prices accord way oh, yeah. back in the day, right? And this is the early 80s. Uh, it was the Hawke government. I can't remember. Was Peter Walsh his treasurer? It might have been back then. Or was it Keating always his treasurer? Anyway, whoever it was. Um, the wages and prices accord was exactly this because the spiral of prices go up, so wages go up to, to compensate. Mm. So that puts costs up, so prices go up, so then mm. wages go up to compensate. That's, that is the, and that's why, frankly, central banks are so keen to do something generally, except for the RBA, about inflation because they know that these things spiral out of control if they're allowed to. And even if they're not out of control, if they just go up consistently in a compound way, it just wrecks the economy. And so it's kind of one of those things that you want a little bit of growth, you want a little bit of inflation, you of course want wages to go up, but 
it's a really, really tough one. And, and trying to, yeah, I said, they, they literally had to break the back of it through a deal, with, ironically, with the union saying, guys, can you just please not ask for wage wage prices, or wage prices? We'll do something over here and let's try and fix this problem for everybody. Um, i got to say, for all of the grief that the union movement tends to get from from business and the government gets from other people, it was a, a, a it was the right call. It was a gutsy call. Um and it was, a, it was a call that was in the interest of their workers, obviously, and the national interest, which mm. I don't know these days whether we'd get governments, unions, employer groups to really properly come together on this stuff. It's been a very long time since we had a national consensus about both a problem and its solution. But you're right, if, if, if costs go up, that pushes prices up and, and then you're in this you know, self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, the other, the other dynamic that's interesting is that with, with higher inflation comes the very real threat of higher interest rates. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which means that you know there's there's huge inflationary pressures for those that are that are shouldering a mortgage or totally. or, or any kind yeah. of yeah. debt as well. So it's sort of yes, your your you, you pay might go up, but um, now you've got higher fuel prices, higher prices in general, and higher interest costs as well. Totally. So it's totally. yeah, it's it's diabolically hard stuff. Makes it interesting too when the government's toying with, and I reckon they will. Uh, do something for fuel price relief, uh, largely political rather than economic. The UK government did it overnight our time again, so Wednesday night our time, announced a five pence per litre reduction in the price. Um, when you put interest rates up, you're literally saying, I'm going to charge households more for this stuff because I want to slow things down. I want to increase the bills. That's exactly what interest rates do, and they should, as much as it sucks when it happens. Because when they go down, by the way, the government doesn't say, well, we'll take some of that back then. Um, so, you know, it is, it is, it's economic. It's absolutely economic, as you say. People are struggling, but uh, this is the problem, unfortunately, with 30 years of pretty Goldilocksy kind of economic growth, right? We've had low interest rates, low inflation, um, low-ish unemployment. It's all been great, which is fantastic, and you wouldn't trade it away for anything. But that kind of like, guys, this will kind of end at some point, and you better be ready for it. That's the bit that I don't think households are ready for. I do think, by the way, mate, the pollies go very quickly to, oh, you're doing it so tough. I really understand. I'm going to help you. This is all terrible. And I think that's kind of the, the starting point, which I think is a little bit craven, can I say? A lot of people aren't doing it tough, but it's kind of like, for all of the talk about personal responsibility uh, from both sides of, of politics, it just, I, I don't know, sticks in the craw a little bit where um, they, they pander to people, almost, you know, making them believe things are worse than they are just so they can be the solution to the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that's a great, a great thing for the economy or the, the society either. No, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get drawn into saying more. But yeah, it's it's yeah. It's a, it, it it look. It's a it's a very very difficult problem. It does mm-hmm. need to be addressed. It just mm-hmm. needs to be addressed with something that's beyond an, an election cycle kind of yeah. time frame. It, yeah. Like a lot of these things, there is sort of more fundamental structural causes for this yeah. rather than you know commodity price fluctuations and, and that kind of stuff, which all feed into it. But it's yeah, sort of, yeah. you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to, if you're really serious about this, you've got to sort of treat the root cause or, or address some of those fundamental mm-hmm. drivers, which is, so it's, yeah, should they be doing something? Yes. Could they be doing something? Yes. Uh, is the approach <laughs> that they're going to take the right one? I don't know. <laughs> The phrase policy vacuum is, is, comes to mind, mate. Uh, the, both, both parties are desperately trying to be visible only through microscopes when it comes to policies. You know, mm. that neither of them want to be anything to anybody just in case they offend somebody uh, and hoping they can, be, they can be less offensive than the other guy by just not saying anything at all. Is, it's a very sad state of Australian politics. Mate, yeah. let's, uh, let's move on. It's been, a, it's been a funny week in corporate news this week. Nothing big, seriously, mm. but lots of... Interesting things that are actually worthy of comment. So, 
Maybe the biggest bit of news this week is Star. So the Star Group uh, owns the Star, runs the Star Casinos. Crown must be pretty happy that it's not the only casino in the in the news right now. Uh, Star has is fronting an inquiry currently, and the evidence has been frankly damning. Now we should say these are this is evidence given. This is not factual findings. So whatever allegedly's and theoretically's and uh, whatever we need to put in front of this, assume it's all been done. Uh, evidence given this week that the CEO was sulking uh, when meeting with some consultants. Evidence this week that Star allegedly, <coughs> excuse me, uh, misallocated nine hundred million dollars of gaming revenue, called it something else when it banked it with its bankers. Um, now they're saying they hid some junkets in private rooms. Probably, uh, what's well, one of these smoke and fire situations, right? On one hand, you say, well, we heard about Crown. Why should we be surprised Star's doing it? That probably is the right response. Certainly in the, in the face of the evidence, it's absolutely the right response. Other, other than that, though, mate, it's fair to say it's not always the case, right? Just because there's one rotten apple doesn't mean everything's terrible. But it does raise the question, we can talk about Star, but also it raises the question, are some industries just too icky, <laughs> to use the, the official finance term, to invest in? Or, or, is it, or is it one of those cases where it's worthy kind of trying to pick the best of maybe a bad bunch or simply not be, not be kind of sucked into the smoke and fire problem because that way can also lie bargains. If you get something beaten down unfairly because it is guilt by association, that can be a huge opportunity. So which way do you go? How do you think about it in general and also with, with Star and Crown in particular? Um, yeah, for me, they're no-go. Um, I, I, there's I, this. We've let's not get into this, but it, it is there's sort of personal ethical choices. I think I think right. casinos are horrible, horrible, family destroying sort of institutions. Um, so, so I don't, you, I don't, you, you don't really have a view. Uh, I don't. I just I don't like them. And the other thing is right. as well is that we've. I mean, it, it'd be different in in a parallel universe where there's never sort of been any scandals and the rest of it. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, you could yeah. maybe assume that some dodgy stuff is happening, but it's but it's just been out yeah. and and the, every single time things have been looked at, it's just rotten to the core. So I feel yeah. as though whenever you're looking at any business in any sector, there's mm-hmm. always risks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a risk that this company might not achieve the revenue growth it's set out to achieve. There's there's a risk that there might be a short-term supply chain problem. I mean, these, these are real risks, but they're very mm-hmm. different in nature mm-hmm. to risks that you might consider existential. Like Crown, you, you, li- you, you are a casino and your license gets taken <laughs> yeah, away. Right. So that isn't, oh, okay, we have a bad quarter or two. That's yeah. like we can't do what, you know, our raison d'etre is, is is no longer relevant. So for me, I, I feel as though, you know, there's no investment you'll make that doesn't have any risk. But when you have when you have the potential for, for really big blow-up risks, even if it's a, mm-hmm. only a 5% chance of happening, I like to steer clear of those. And, yeah, I, I just think it's it's particularly, well, not just it's in all places, but um, th- mm. these, these I've got to be careful what I say for legal reasons, but these <laughs> institutions <laughs> have not covered themselves in glory and, and oh. to think that everything's just been clean. I, I, I remember thinking at the time, it's just like, I'm sure the, everyone else is doing the same. And, yeah. and, and of course they are. And, yeah. and so I, I wouldn't go near it, would not go near it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a but. Because mm-hmm. my but here is... The question of any industry can, has, almost always does have problems with it. Uh, if, if, you'd have, if, you'd have, if we'd have had this conversation in 1992, just pick a year, 30 years ago happens to be, 
about what's going to happen in 2018, 19 with the Banking Royal Commission. Mm. Or even, even 2002, 2007, 2012, pick a year. We could have rightly said, man, these guys as a group, I'm not going to name individual names because I think I'm pretty safe from, defa- uh, from uh, defamation <laughs> proceedings. Uh, but if not, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, this group have been doing some really, really, really dodgy, crappy, awful stuff. Mm. Uh, money laundering, possibly rules breached, uh, possibly going to horrible, horrible things in, in Thailand in particular. We heard reports. Oh, I'm not going to repeat them because I don't have any interest in there's other people, the kids listening to stuff. Um, just, you know, like if, if someone had said to you, here's the findings of the Royal Commission. Do you want to invest in banks? We'd have been, hell no. And yet if you'd have invested in them 20, 25, 30, 15, 10 years ago, you would have made some decent money. In fact, if you invested 30 years ago, you made a lot of money. Um, where do we, should we draw the line between all of those conversations? I, you know, at some point, I, I don't disagree with you about the casinos at all necessarily, but I also think we could have made the same line about banks. Mm. Uh, there are very few companies in the industry that do manage to stay completely clean. There's always some critic uh, where business uh, businesses kind of overuse their power or do things that are a little bit dodgy or kind of legal but ethically questionable. Isn't that almost every company all the time? Do, do, we, do we run the risk of making casinos the bad guys, A, and losing investment opportunities in casinos, but B... Uh, but then by, by, by comparison saying, well, they're the bad guys. At least these other guys aren't so bad, so this is okay. Is there some moral equivalence going on or are casinos genuinely as bad as, as they sound like they are? Well, there is definitely a spectrum and casinos are closer to one end than, than the other. <laughs> um, banks are interesting because, I mean, geez, that, that, I actually looked it up recently, um, mm. the Hain Royal Commission and the findings mm. that came out of it. And just, you know, everything from charging dead people to, oh, God, oh yeah. So, Awful kind of stuff. The difference, the, the difference there, and this is this is where things get interesting, mm. is that banks are in a very, very privileged position. They're very yeah. structurally important to the economy, so they have this. Um, uh, there's a moral hazard, which is a term that was sort of became more well known in in the GFC, mm. but it's kind of like they can they can afford to do these risks because no matter what happens, they'll always get bailed out. Because if yeah. you, you let all the big banks collapse, we're all back in the stone age, right? So it's kind of, it's, I think you can make a bit of a difference there. If, if every single casino in the country closed, um, so what? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if the major bank, so, so you, so as much as I think you're right, I think there's really dodgy stuff that's been going mm. on there and been mm. going on for a while and probably still going on in some way, shape or form, <laughs> whether intentionally or not, or over, so who knows, but, but, but I, I you've got that government put, Underneath mm-hmm. that, if mm-hmm. I could, if I can put it that way, that's yep. that 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 uh, sovereign put maybe is a better way of putting it. Where, mm-hmm. where they 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 will be okay. I mean, that, that's that's what that's why the banks are, are lending hand over fist and and being very nervous about it at the same time. It's just like well, we <laughs> we can't afford not to because otherwise our competitors do. But you know what? Worst case scenario, so what? We'll get bailed out. So yeah. there, there is there is there that that's a you know again cynically, but that's a tick on the on the plus side. Um, of the ledger because mm. uh, you you have you have that underlying put to use the term you, you've got you, you you as we saw again in in the GFC they'll never mm. they'll never be allowed to collapse you don't think it could be recapitalized and you could still end up losing a lot of, lot of money but it's not it's not a, a to me at least at the same caliber of of risk as as what we're talking about with casinos. 
But if they that government put though saves the institution of the depositors, there's no guarantee like we saw during the GFC that a government put saves the investors, right? I think Lloyd's was diluted by ninety five percent or something ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. For, every, for every dollar, even though Lloyd's survived as an organization institution, for every dollar you had invested, you had five cents left at the end of it because the government basically, yeah, we'll take that. Thank you very much. And not unreasonably, by the way, it saved it from absolute collapse. Mm. Um, but the investors get diluted at the expense of, and again, I think completely rightly, as I think you do. Um, uh, of investors because we're taking the equity risk and, you know, if, if, if the system needs to be saved, uh, then I don't deserve to be saved along with it necessarily as an investor, as an equity investor. That's why we have a higher return expectation to allow for some of that stuff. Is that enough though? I mean, is that does that get us out of jail with banks versus casinos? Or, or pick your other industry, pick, I, I don't know, construction or something else, whatever else people have dodgy views on, you know, uh, brown paper bag stuff. Uh, I mean, isn't, isn't that just the way of the world? So there's two two dimensions to risk. One is the probability of the risk occurring, mm-hmm. and the second is the damage that <laughs> that is done uh, yeah. on that risk being realised. So I think the calculus for me, at least with the banks, is is that some of these things that have been going on, while oh, you know horrible, um, you can actually very easily sort of they're, they're not they're not um, they're not they're not going to structurally undermine the entire institution. So you know what's going to happen? Oh, we've been found doing some money laundering. We'll get a bit of a small fine, a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. We have some write-offs this year, but overall we're still absolutely fine. So it's kind of like we can discuss the, the odds of that happening, mm-hmm. but but even when it does, it's not a big deal. How depressing is that? But it's not from from, from their point of view. That's just very different from the, the Star uh, Casino situation mm-hmm. where, again, you could I would have – Guess that very high pro- a very high probability that some untoward stuff is going on, but mm. B and more importantly, if that is going on, it is <clears throat> the risk, the damage, the potential damage is much 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 larger. I.e., your your license gets revoked. So that's that's very different than just copying a bit of a fine on the chin and you know cost mm. of doing you know the business again. It sounds so cynical and it's a horrible situation, <laughs> but the banks just shrug their shoulder. Cost of doing business. Yeah. So it's so it's so that that's how I'd probably tease the two apart. Now you've got to look. There's no there's no there's no definitive objective line that you can draw. It, it is always yeah. going yeah. to be uh, investor personal preference in terms yeah. of the risk tolerance that they have and, the, and their their ability to sort of judge the risks and the damage that's that's all done. Mm-hmm. And there's a spectrum. And but so so yeah, that that's how I would answer it. Yes, I think you make some really good points. It's just that with with what we're talking about the casinos, both mm-hmm. the probability and the damage. Uh, you know, order of magnitude higher. So it's sort of, it's sort of just like that for me. Crosses it crosses the threshold of what I'm comfortable with. So let me ask you one last question before we move on from this one. If Star was owned by Westpac or mm-hmm. Woolworths or CSL, would given given the non given the fact it's not it, it's absolutely uh, material, but it's not existential. Does that change the way you think about the size of the risk and the kind of the sliminess of, again, think about Westpac that or CBA or someone that may have a CBA had insurance premiums it was paying, uh, other people were charging dead people, other people were having sales you know, targets set. Um, are, are they that different? If, if, if Crown is owned by Woolies, do you kind of go, well, it's not great, but there's other business there and it's not, a, not existential, so I'm happy to do it? Uh, well, I mean, again, it, it's sort of it's a question of of, mm. of the quantum of it. If, if it represents twenty percent of earnings, you know, that just minimizes the risk overall. Yeah. If, if it's half of earnings, and it's yeah, again, there's no, there's no definitive line. There. I totally mm. get what you're saying. I mean, Woolies is a great example when they with the poker machines, right? Yeah, that's like, a good point, actually. 
you know, um, and that was always that mm. actually put a lot of sort of people just a license to print money, those kinds yeah. of things. But yeah. but um, it was never the core major driver of right, right, of right. earnings. So you could sort of have a certain view and say, well, if I take this away, what does it look like? It looks mm. worse, mm. but it doesn't. It's not going to zero type thing. So yeah, makes sense. I, I feel I do. I really do feel as though um, risk is funny, right? So when we're in a bull market, no one focuses on the risk. It's, it's all on the upside. <laughs> exactly. And then exactly. we get into these kinds of environments and no one can envisage the upside and it's all about the risks. Yeah. And, and any risk is sort of deemed. And you know, I see it a lot with, with the investors in our, in, in our club and in any club, you know, he's just like, mm-hmm. oh, but what about this? Oh, there's competition. Oh, there's this, there's that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's all really great things to sort of think about. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. well, you show me a business that doesn't have risk. Business is risk, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's it's it, it's a, for me. It's about you'll never get rid of it, but it's 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 about trying to minimize those two dimensions I talked about: probability mm-hmm. and damage. I'm happy to be wrong. Well, not happy to be wrong. <laughs> I'm more comfortable you accept, to be, you accept that it might happen. Yeah. Yeah. Look, like yeah. you know, I've I've got a certain thesis on a business, and yeah. I am aware of a few risks, and it happens, and that sucks, and 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 maybe maybe mm-hmm. earnings are twenty percent lower than I expected. You know, mm-hmm. that's. That's not a great outcome, but as as a risk, it's far better than one that 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 takes me to zero. So yeah. you, you've 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 got to yeah you've you've got to try and quantify and judge all of these things and 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 just for me, it's always got to be looked at in combination with the upside. It's that mm. risk reward dynamic. Mm. I, I mean, I'm ha- I've taken some ridiculously risky investments uh, mm. in in the past, and I'm sure I will again. And my rationale for doing so is that if it goes well, the upside is so incredibly attractive that it's actually worth taking some of these mm. risks, even, mm. even though the odds of success are probably, you know, less than 50-50 type, right, type right. thing. So you can you can actually intellectualise a lot of this stuff and very rationally sort of form a thesis based on, mm. on this kind of mm. stuff. What gets in, What's interesting to me is when, when you're talking, like, let's go back to Star, you know, it's sort of like, so on one hand we have, so let's talk about the risk reward. The risk is they've they've done something really dodgy and they end up having to go out of business because they, they lose their license. That's really bad. Yeah. Um, well, what's the upside? What's say they, they avoid that? <laughs> well, it's, this isn't, this isn't like a FinTech that's growing top line sales at 80% right, a year right, right. and will do for the next 10 years. Like success for this looks probably sort of upper single digit growth for the next mm-hmm. five years. Mm-hmm. They continue to sort of swim along and, and, and pay a dividend. So it's kind of like things go well, I go okay. Things go bad, I lose everything. That's yeah. a really that's that's a really bad <laughs> risk reward dynamic. I yeah. much it's uh, Monish Pabrai, a, a, a famous sort of Indian based investor. He's, mm-hmm. he, he says it well. Um, he said he goes for these these bets where it's heads I win, tails I don't lose too much. Yeah. And it's that asymmetry in the return profile that I think as investors you've really got to look for. Mm-hmm. Always consider both sides and put them in context uh, with, with with one another. Because you're going to be wrong a whole bunch of times. You just want it. So when you are wrong, it's it's not it's not um, diabolical, um, and when you're right, it's it's very attractive. And that when when you play that out over enough length of time and over enough different individual securities, mm-hmm. it tends to work out really well. Yep, I like it, mate. I reckon you've pretty much nailed it. Well done. Um, I completely agree. I, I am less absolute than you on the casinos. I have to say there is a price, and frankly, post this, um, once all the, the if the price has fallen and the skeletons are out of the closet there's a decent chance. I actually think that someone like a star 
is probably as clean as it's going to be for the next five or ten years, right? Because they're all scared, a bit like the banks. They're all so scared of the next one. Um, you hope that changes behaviour a little bit. And if the price is reasonably attractive, I could absolutely see us recommending Star or maybe even buying shares. Um, we don't, to, to your point, we don't make ethical considerations at the Motley Fool. On behalf of our members, uh, we make a recommendation based on the investment merits and let them make their own calls. I don't love casinos either. Um, I've, I've been to a few a few times. I don't mind putting $50 on a blackjack table and walking out more often than not with nothing. That's part of the night's entertainment, right? For me, it's mm. more fun than a, a concert ticket or whatever. Yeah, it's um, good fun. Yeah. But but as you say, it's a, they, they can be awful businesses. I, I would say this just before we move on quickly yeah. is that put all of this aside, mm. Crown is at a share price now. It's come back a long way after this, this sort of debacle. Yeah. But but it's exactly where it was in 2007. You, mm-hmm. you would have held this thing <laughs> for <laughs> 15 right. years prior to any of this stuff happening and you've not made a cent. No, so no, good point. you know what I mean. It's 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 kind of like yeah, I hear your point that that maybe there's an opportunity in this, but I mean, it would really have to come down a lot mm-hmm. for for me to even even consider it because they're just there's just far better alternatives out there, and and you know the feel good sleep at night factor. So I'm not part of an agency that's destroying society. It makes me feel better too. So <laughs> <laughs> nicely put, nicely put. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. NFTs or non-fungible tokens hit the news again this week. Uh, good old Qantas has decided to launch its range of NFTs. Now, I talked about this a little bit at the top of the program, obviously, uh, at, least, at least the concept of the NFT. Now, just for because you're the, you're the crypto expert, I'm kidding. But uh, I, will get you to, I will get you to explain it. What is, what is a non-fungible token? It's a unique token. So fungible just means that everything's equivalent. Australian dollar is fungible. Uh, yep. The dollar coin I've got in my wallet is perfectly interchangeable with the dollar coin in yours and everyone else. There's no difference between them exactly. at all. Yep. Yep. So they are they are fungible. Shares yep. are fungible. My my Crown Resort share <laughs> is identical to your Crown Resort share. Yep. Non-fungible just means it's unique. So it, it, it actually points to a specific thing, one thing, and it's non-fungible. Hmm. So the NFT craze is caught up largely these days in images, digital images, mm. uh, JPEGs or uh, I think I'm pretty sure they're all JPEGs, aren't they? Are there any GIFs that are NFTs? Let's not get into that. You can, um, you can make anyway. anything. Anything digital you can turn into an NFT. Yes, yes. Uh, but but the, the, the craze at the moment is, is pictures and this Bored Ape Yacht Club, you may or may not have heard about it. If you haven't, don't bother Googling it. It's a, it's uh, no, idea. do. It's oh, fascinating. Fascinating. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying Google it because you need to get into it. I'm saying you have to grab some popcorn and 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 man, it's, it is very quickly. Just sorry to interrupt. Go on. So there's ten thousand of these eight NFTs that are out there. Okay, so ten thousand different pictures of yep. of board. Apes or something. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little um, cartoon character. You, you would, um, a lot of people will know what I'm talking about. Okay, so ten thousand of them were were created, designed, drawn, whatever you do with. Actually, algorithmically created, if you can believe that. So again, sorry, algorithmically created. So it's not like someone drew by hand. Anyway, okay. So there's ten thousand of them created, and for for reasons best known to people themselves, they're paying lots of money for these things. Yes. Yeah, oh, millions of dollars, millions of dollars, and, Be- and is it? Uh, could, can I ask because and try and have you answer that question for me? Uh, I'll try. 
I, I, I really, I, I don't want to come out in support or anything mm. of this, but mm. whatever's happening, it's it's interesting. I'll just, I'll say mm. that much. And it's, it's, it's whether it whether it all goes to, to zero or ten x's from here, it's interesting. Yep. Yep. It's a it's a social phenomena, and it's it's something that's new. So, what what's fascinating about it is that it's actually more. What the, it's not when you're buying one of these board apes, if you've got a mm. spare few million dollars, mm. is you're actually <laughs> buying membership to an to a to a to a club, mm. it's a it's a it's a ticket. It's a pass to this board ape yacht yacht club. They have events. They do things. Get this: just this week, they raised four hundred and fifty million dollars in a seed round. Oh, so, yeah. right? They said out there, we, we want to raise some money, and th- what are they going to do with that? They're not exactly sure. They're going to they're looking <laughs> to create some metaverse kind because of thing, and yeah. But it's but it's it it's it really what it is is it's it's a just a it's a different way mm. of organizing thing. I, mm. The, the the invention of the PTY LTD company yep. was a game changer for, mm-hmm. for for human society. I mean, it, it is one of those inventions that just changed everything. Yeah, good point. Um, and and what it really is at its heart, it's a way of organizing people mm-hmm. to act collaboratively. Yep. And so this is potentially a new way of doing that. And not a better way necessarily. Maybe not a way that's going to be superior in all circumstances and situations, but 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 in some potentially. Um, and so what this we're playing out this experiment in real time. Yeah, and that's this true. Is, this is With the real one money, that sort of like real real. Look, yeah, don't yeah. feel bad for most of the people involved in this. Just like Snoop Dogg and very rich A list sort of celebrity <laughs> kind of kind <laughs> of people. So if it goes to zero, they're just fine. Um, but <laughs> but it, it it's a it's a space that I think is. I always come back to this idea of the internet, you know, the late nineties where mm-hmm. just, it was just so full of scams and dodgy, ridiculous yeah. things. Yeah. And 99% of stuff went to zero, yeah. but there was something there. And we're, we're kind of in that discovery, like what, yeah. okay, Hey, we've invented something new and different. What can we do with it? We're figuring it out. And the first iteration of it is trading JPEGs of each other of monkeys. <laughs> It's crazy and it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. But it's but it's kind of this experiment is actually yeah. showing, well, okay, that's that's it at a at, a, stuff, at right? a high level. But yeah. what they're what they're actually doing with that and the incentive mm-hmm. structures that they're building around is just fascinating. Um, so I don't own an NFT. I've got no interest in owning an N- NFT, but but it is it is I think what frustrates me, Scott, so much about all of this is that there's two sides to this. There's the maxis, yeah. which is this yeah. is changing everything, and there's the others, which is this is all a fraud. Like yeah. it's just yeah. this binary black and white discussion. Yeah. Um, there's some there's 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 somewhere in the middle that 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 you don't you don't have to be on the extremes here. I I, I suspect we will have some very interesting use cases for this. They may remain niche longer yeah. term and, and eventually, but but there's something there. And and these these things that are sort of playing out now are just really interesting experiments in how we how we use this kind of stuff. Mm. But yeah, <laughs> at the same time, all the stuff that's going <laughs> on is is just is just wild. It's really wild. It is now. I, look, I I I laugh about it. I laugh about it for, for very good reasons. I think it's ridiculous. But that doesn't mean people aren't going to do it, right? And, and I've used this example before. I'm sure on the podcast, particularly about the the artwork kind of version of this now, is that people will pay. I mean, Mona Lisa is literally, you know, uh, let's go blue poles because at least has a price. People will pay X million dollars to own the original blue poles painting. You can do a copy of it. You can do a life-size copy of it. These days with digital printing and technology, 
You can distinguish make something almost, yeah. right? Mm. Up close, you can see it wasn't literally painted, of course. But, mm. you know, in terms of if you like the look of it and you want the look, you can get the look of blue poles yourself for cents. Yeah. Because it's a digital artwork, of it, digital copies online, just photos. You can do whatever you want. Mm. But people have and, and perceive value, uh, whether that value is real or not, is open to the eye of the beholder, which is the point, mm. in having the original mm. blue poles. Yeah. And so when people say, hey, these board Eight Your Club pictures, I could copy that. I could literally go onto Twitter now, find one, right-click, save as, and I would have the same file as that NFT. What I wouldn't mm. have is the ownership stake of the original unique picture. Yep. Now, does that matter? Depends on who you are. I, I don't I don't care that I don't have the original copy of the Mona Lisa. If I like the painting, I don't happen to love it. But if I did, I could get a digital print. I could put it in a frame, put it on my wall. I could look at the Mona Lisa every day. Mm. So is there a difference owning the real one? A lot of people now are saying, of course there is because it's the original. That's kind of the point, right? There's nothing specific about it. You can, you can say, well, it matters because it was the one that the, the artist painted centuries ago and that's important. Sure. Mm. Will the first NFT of one of these bored apes be... Um, be the same. There was one of the original ones created in the in the birth of the NFTs. This was one of the very first images. I can absolutely see that. I think it's oh, yeah. silly, but I say I think paying six million dollars for blue poles is equally silly. And I'm offending everyone right now, the art lovers and the NFT lovers alike. Mm. Um, look, man. So that I, I agree with you in terms of the. I think I think it's I think it's objectively not very smart financially to think this is worth something. But if enough people do, that's the market, right? I, I, well, I don't think, I don't think you know, wine is, uh, Grange is worth 800 bucks a bottle either, by the way. No. You know, I, I'm a treasury shareholder. I'm glad someone's paying that. I'm not paying 800 bucks for a bottle of Grange. Like, it's cool and it's fun and it's interesting. But is it, you know, obviously that much better? Is it better? I'm sure it is. Well, is I, it $800 I, I, more better? No, it's not. I, I don't think it's something you can talk about objectively. Right, exactly. It, yeah. it, it, it actually, it, it actually, uh, it's a very... <laughs> We talk about we use this word value all the time in our industry, and but you know really really dig into that concept of val- mm-hmm. what is value, mm-hmm. what is valuable. Yeah. You know your dad's watch yes. is probably yeah, right. priceless to you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. know you wanted to sell it to me, I wouldn't yeah. give you ten bucks for it. I don't right, care. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now are you are you wrong to have yeah. huge amount of value? And the, now there's someone out there yeah. who for them as part of their identity is part of the status that that gives them. Yeah. Uh, whatever that they're just this this image for me is super and I want to I want to own that and I I, I actually I, I can't argue against that that's that's a personal choice and that yep. if that's if you see that as valuable that's fine you do have to distinguish that between speculation so there's there's people out there buying a lot of these digital assets because for them it's really important I've got that someone's minted the first ever tweet for example and in the year 2250. That will sort of be like, wow, you know, the original version of the Constitution or something like that. You know, it's sort of it, it will probably have some collector's value uh, in, in the rest of it. Mm. Uh, so, are you are you buying something on an expectation of a of a of an increase in price? Mm. That's 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 very different to I'm just buying it because I want to own it and it's special to me. And within within this whole space, you've got I would say at this point in time whole bunch of rampant speculation, people buying stuff, not because they really give a stuff about it or, you know, it's just because, oh, it's going to go <laughs> up. Right. There's some great, there are some great YouTube clips out there. There's one of, a guy does about the, the the rock NFT and how he gets sucked into it and he buys this picture of a rock and then it all collapses. And it's just, it's oh, all, yeah. it's, it's just, it's so yeah. hilariously ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I, and that's the thing, right? It's fine for me to think it's ridiculous and it's fine for someone else to think it's fantastic. Yeah. Music is the same. There is music out there that people are paying a lot of money to attending concerts for. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm an old man. That is just noise. Like, what the hell, right? Yeah. And the reverse is also true. Mm. Those people look, you know, listening to stuff, I listen to thinking, 
mate, you should be paid to listen to that stuff. What the hell would you buy? Why would you pay X dollars for a concert ticket to go and see them mm. versus somebody else? So it's it's all it's all the same thing. Mate, yeah. let's 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 get back to the the, the topic at hand because the reason <coughs> we're talking about all of this in the first instance is Qantas during the week of all companies decided to get on get in on the NFT trend. They are they've they've said and, and again speaking of rational or otherwise, uh, speculative or otherwise, objective or otherwise. People have been collecting Qantas memorabilia for years. Mm. There are people who collect, you know, cop, you know models of planes and or it's, it's just one of those, it's a really cool brand. I love the Qantas brand. I've never owned the shares, but I love the brand. Um, I wonder if actually, I, I, wonder if I, I think I've ever owned the shares. I'm pretty sure I haven't. Uh, I may have in the dim, dim dark past for some short period, but uh, not that I can recall. Uh, they are launching their own range of NFTs. And on one hand, you think airline, NFT, uh, hardly high tech, not exactly the Twitter crowd. What the hell's going on? Mm. To your point, though, about both the subjectivity of it and at the very top, as we said, of the, of the show when we started talking about the fact that, hey, if someone wants to buy an NFT of us, we'll sell it to them. Mm. If Qantas has got a loyal fan base of people, if NFTs is a new category of collectibles, it makes a whole lot of sense. For, yeah. for all of my scepticism about the idea of them, it doesn't matter whether it's real or not. What matters is, is there a market that Qantas can sell memorabilia to? Mm. It seems pretty obvious and straightforward, even though it's kind of one of those, at first glance, bit weird, bit unusual, what the hell. They don't have a stake in this ongoing, by the way, either. So they can sell the NFT, walk away, take the money, mm. and then it's up to the buyer as to whether or not that's got value after now. Yeah, yep, yep. I, I think it's, uh, look, uh, again, you've got you to gotta, you gotta separate the two. Uh, when we're talking about this, are we saying that this is a uh, investment grade kind of thing? No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's right. not. But yeah, if you're a diehard, well, they're the Pokemon cards originally, mate. If you've seen the price of those recently, it's uh, I, I don't know, maybe we're wrong. Great, <laughs> that's actually, great, great point, right? Like that's, yeah. that's cardboard and some ink. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. but no, well, it's I've not. Had I've actually, cards before that, by the way. I'm not just bagging the 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 you know the kids these days, as the, as the old people say. And we collected, I collected footy cards when I was a kid. The same kind of idea, right? You pay a fortune for a, a footy card of so and so, or you know, whatever. It's still, you're Peter Sterling. Paramount. Yeah, that's right. Footy cut to you yeah, to, yeah. to to twelve year old yeah. Scott. Absolutely. Um, or maybe you were thirty three at that time. You know, be, be nice. Be nice. Um, uh, you know that was massively valuable. This is the yeah, point. Yeah. This is this is the point. So I think yeah. I think is. Is it seem like a, a bit of a cynical money grab? Yeah, in part, but <laughs> I think little, there's a market for it. Some people will, right. yeah. will value this, and and yeah. and and on that, I, I again, it's impossible for us or anyone to sort of say that's crazy because for some people, massive, you know, airline enthusiasts, yeah. that, that's not, and they're, they're happy to pay a couple hundred bucks to say that they own that. And I, I, I say, good luck to you. What do you reckon we could? What do you reckon we could NFT and sell for a couple of thousand dollars? If you and I want to make a make a, a few dollars out of this, what would we have to NFT? Do you reckon? I don't think we've got anything we could. <laughs> that's just offensive, but you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that's that's the thing. I mean, this is this is what's so fascinating about it. Yeah. Anything can anyone can magic anything out of thin air, yeah, mint right. it, and make it an NFT. Doesn't mean someone's going to want it. Like I can I can scratch a drawing on a piece of cardboard and go down yeah, to the yeah. to the collectibles shop and say, hey, you want to buy my series of hand drawn cards? Yeah. No, but 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 some people who own this. Uh, Various IP and stuff mm. that genuinely does have value, they can yeah, do this, yeah. and 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 arguably, it, there's nothing wrong with with doing that. It, it, there's there's a difference between um, trying to lure people in and take advantage of them on a hype and craze to make a quick buck, 
versus just sort of fulfilling the market demand and the rest of it. Oh man, it's such a big topic. <laughs> so uh, look, look, yeah, yeah, it, it seems it seems a bit crazy, but I, I don't, I don't blame, I don't blame them for doing it. Here's here's the other thing as well. I wouldn't even say. I don't think anyone with Qantas thinks that this is going to move the dial in terms of yeah. next year's earnings. Yeah, you know they're not doing it for that. Um, it's also free just, money. <laughs> it, it's a, look, it's a, it's, a, it's free money, but it'd be a very small amount for them, like yeah, a round, rounding error. True. And they and and I uh, would argue that they're probably doing it as a brand exercise. Mm. You know, mm. it's, it's mm. and 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 in in that vein, good luck to them. And it makes sense, right? You show you're cool, you show you're popular, you show you're in demand. Yeah. There's some really nice branding benefit. They get you get some headlines. Um, it's a, it's a pretty nice combination for again almost literally nothing, particularly if it's digital. Um, the cost of it is, is yeah, you're right. The upside also is probably nothing um, yeah. in absolute dollar terms, but the value of we have these things. They're a, they're a deal. People are talking about them. People value the Qantas brand. Look, this is how much they paid for our NFT. There's a whole lot of spin-offs. If you're in the brand team, you do it in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? It's, it's, yeah, it's real. I mean, I think a lot of us have trouble when things are, are non tangible. Yeah. Um, uh, non tangible? Intangible? intangible. Um, oh, both, both, both true. <laughs> Untangible. <laughs> but you, you actually gave the perfect example before, which is music. Yeah, you know, yeah, Dell yeah. releases a new album. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a digital file. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't exist in the real world unless you can get it to rock up to your house and perform live. And even then, it just, <laughs> it lasts as long as it lasts. It's a completely yeah. intangible yeah. object. Is it valueless? No, not to not to all the fans, and there's a lot of them. So, you know, you, you, you've. I, I think, yeah, it, it's just. I, I like. I really like this idea of taking, or this concept of taking a silly idea seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and really pursuing it through because sometimes you'll 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 be surprised that there's there's more than there's more than what appears mm. at the surface level. Mm. And that's mm. that. I've got to be careful when I say this because people interpret it how they want, <laughs> you know. And I'm. I'm, I'm Oh, Andrew loves NFTs and thinks he's no, 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 absolutely, <laughs> absolutely not saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I just, I'm really, I'm actually getting really fed up with the debate because I, I either talk to people who are all in or all out. Yeah. There's just, there's no nuance in this conversation, and you know, it's, a, it's a shame because there's, there's, there's some things that are outright frauds and crazy and insane, yeah. but there, there, there is also something that's there. And uh, we're we're in the process of figuring it out. We're right in the middle of it. We're right at yeah. we're right at the frontier. Um, and with anything new, by the way, both those groups objectively are wrong because you can't be that certain. Even can't. if they end up being right in in effect, that is, the guys who say this is worth a squillion dollars end up being right. The guys who say this is worth nothing end up being right. Yeah. To have that much conviction at this point in the game is objectively just outright wrong. You you yep. literally cannot have that degree of certainty with anything. No. I might not wake up tomorrow morning. Like the, the, you know, the degree of certainty that these people have in both directions on something that is, as you say, evolving, it, it's yep. ludicrous. It, it's it's you almost by definition should stop listening to people who are like that. Be, almost by definition, whichever side of the yep. story you're on, they're useful to understand the pros and cons because you do get the extreme versions of both views. Yes, but they're like they can't possibly be right with the level of certainty that they bring to the table. Mm. Because no one knows what comes next. That's the yep. beauty of life, right? Things things go in unexpected directions. Now be um, careful. You can't know. Be careful, and I'm, uh, we have to be careful with it. That's, and you've made this point before. Just because something can doesn't mean it will. So it's not yes. like you've got to be careful to sort of say, well, maybe it will, therefore I'm going exactly. to buy. Well, no, 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 no. You've, again, that, that risk-reward right. dynamic. You buy, you buy every stock on the ASX. That, you know, if, if you believed every possible growth story from every company, yep. you would buy everything just in case it worked. And probabilistically, guess what? You'd actually get the market return almost yes. by de- literally by definition if you bought yep. it in the same market weight. So, yeah, I, I, that's a really good point, mate, is – 
just because they can doesn't mean they will. Our yeah. job as investors, and this actually goes back full circle, right? We need to move off this at some point, but it goes back full circle because our job as investors is to find those mispriced bets. Yep. That's ex- that's all we're here. To- if you buy an EFT, ETF, EFT, am I going to get an EFT on the brain? If you, buy, <laughs> if you buy an ETF, you are you are happily just taking the market return. Yep. As soon as you start to pick stocks, your only job is to find mispriced bets, is to say, I think this is worth more than the market does and therefore I think the future gain is worth more than the market implies mm. and then I think if I do that, I'll beat the market. That's the only way you can beat the market yep. is exactly that, not buying probabilities mm. but saying, you reckon this is worth 10, I think it's worth 12, I'm going to buy it. That's yep. all you have to do and, and it's not easy to your point but simple but not easy. falls into exactly that. Exactly. The NFT thing falls into exactly the same idea is yep. it's yeah, some version of it's priced at X today how likely is it that it's worth more than next tomorrow? Mm. Is the market getting it right or wrong? In what direction? And then making making that call without any certainty ever. Even if you are convinced that investing should work, the mm. Japanese share market went nowhere for 20 years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there is a price that is too high even if you believe in the concept. Mm. So getting it right and understanding that that probabilistic outcome, as you've rightly pointed out, mate, including, by the way, across multiple assets. The other thing I would say is you, you talk about the probability of individual bets and you're right but then you've got to play that over a portfolio to maximise the yep. value you get from that probabilistic outcome playing out mm. uh, in your favour. Because even as you've said before, a 60-40 coin will still land on the wrong side 40% of the time. It mm. doesn't mean it's a bad bet. It just means price yep. it accordingly. Don't just flip it once and hope you're right. Yep. Yep. And and just don't, I mean, the, the real, the thing that you just see again and again and again, particularly those that are new to the market, the, the thesis is it's going up because mm. that's what it's been doing. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's going to keep doing that. And it's really bad thinking and bad logic. So your idea mm-hmm. of price improving or the, there being value there needs to be beyond what you know, short-term trends are happening in terms of market yeah. sentiment and, and beyond yeah. that. You, you need to go, so you, you, where's the utility here? What, what, why is it that, that I think it's worth $12.17 as opposed to $10.18. It's got to be backed up by, by more than that kind of stuff. Mm. But well, everyone really sort of say that, people go, oh, that's really hard. Like, yep. <laughs> Anything worthwhile in life tends to be pretty hard. But, geez, it's rewarding when you get it right. So <laughs> it's worth doing. It's worth doing, yeah. Mate, um, speaking of taking bets and getting things right, uh, saw a headline in the AFR this week that – a, a company that is trying to design and commercialise a particular enzyme that eats plastic, which would be spectacular things about getting rid of pollution and stuff. Imagine being able to kind of, you know, eat up all the uh, the, the plastic that's in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, they call it. They're kind of, you know, the mess in the middle of the Pacific where all our, all our plastics ended up. Really, really, really cool idea. So I love that generally. $6 million, I thought, that's a small amount of money for an AFI headline. Like, it's not exactly, you know, big big bickies. Maybe the environmental element is useful and worth thinking about. Mm. What actually caught my eye was that one of the investors in the $6 million round is, now, I'm not going to say Macquarie. I'm not going to say Goldman Sachs. I'm not going to say, you know, the Facebook Founders Venture Capital Fund. Woolworths. Mm. Woolies has, I did actually know this, but I had forgotten. Woolworths has a venture capital fund. And they are investing in a product, super early stage product, mm. that's an enzyme that might eat plastic. Mm. I'm glad people are doing this work environmentally and societally. I'm glad there are people funding this work because some of this stuff, some of the world's best ideas never get done unless you, there's some money backing them. What the hell is Woolworths doing, mate, with a venture capital fund in the first place? And B, why, if it had one, 
Yeah. Would it be investing in a plastic eating enzyme? Is this, uh, well, let me make a statement. You can respond to it. I, I, the war, I love, love Woolworths as a, as a business, as a culture. They have great people there. I'm, I'm a big fan of Woolworths as a, as a business. I don't think they have any business using shareholders' money. If you invest in Woolies, you're buying a retail company. Why? I, I, I have no justification for them having their venture capital fund. Am I wrong? <sighs> no, I don't think so. Uh, it, it makes more. It's more justifiable when your your VC operations are focused in areas that may have downstream benefits to you. So the VC mm. fund is plowing money into better ways to coordinate delivery trucks or to right. streamline supply chains or to help with inventory management because, you know, you, you, you get the real, you know, anything that, mm. that comes out of that, you're going to get the, the benefit of in your, in your core operations. Mm. Mm. So that, that's a bit closer to uh, sensible. When you're just, just pure VC and you can fish far and wide on anything, you kind of yeah. think, I don't, I don't get why you're 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 doing that now. Yep. Now, maybe Warren Buffett quits Berkshire and is lured across to Woolworths. In which case, you say, please, please yeah, take right, some right. of that yeah. money, yeah. and and yeah. this is actually a really great use of shareholder capital because yeah. you know we're probably going to get a really good return on all, all the cash that we give this guy. <laughs> um, so it's it's. Uh, it's one of those. It's one of those if kind of scenarios. Like if mm. they've got really, really smart investors there, mm. and there's a really reasonable expectation of, of a good return on those shareholder funds, then yeah, by all means. Um, but but we know what VC is is like, and it's extremely hard, and the rest of it. So yeah, look, I, I think plastic. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's a maybe there's a there's a greenwashing is not the right word, but there's a green credentials angle to it. So Woolies mm. can say, hey, look, we're taking money. We, we, we know that we responsi- we're responsible for a lot of plastic out there. So we're doing this to sort of show that we care. And maybe it's, maybe it's nothing other than PR. We, you know, it's mm. $6 million in funding and half of mm. it came from CSIRO or something like that. It's, like, it's petty cash, right? And yet yeah, you get to, yeah. you get, maybe you get some PR benefit out of it. So, you know, again, like most things, there's, there's probably a little bit of nuance there, but I think, I think generally you're right. I, I don't know why... They, why they would be focused on that area. I just think on behalf of shareholders, if you're buying every, you could poll shareholders and say, which one of you bought Woolworth shares because it has a VC fund? Mm. And secondly, how much value do you impute to the VC fund? Mm. It's reasonable to ask the business guys. I get that someone will lose thinks it's an exciting thing to do. If you're a retailer, you're a supermarket retailer, you're a, that's what people are buying. They're not buying. You know, if they want a venture capital fund, they go and invest in venture capital somewhere else. It just makes it makes zero sense. Even even allowing for the, the downstream effects that you talked about, which might be arguably a reason. Mm. I just you've got to you got to have a, a you've got to have an edge in this in the first place, right? You've got to be able to say, we are good at this. It's what we do corporately, yes. culturally, yes. Um, technically. This is what we bring to the table. We are great at doing this stuff. The Motley Force yeah. are gonna launch a a, a, a supermarket tomorrow. Mm. I don't care that the, the Woolies isn't competing with us, by the way. It's not a matter of us versus Woolies. We're not gonna launch a supermarket tomorrow because what expertise do we have in, in supermarkets? And even mm. if we did find somebody, what? why would we waste or, or risk shareholders' capital who've invested in a financial firm mm. going and starting a, a supermarket business? It just would make no sense. No, it, it, does, it doesn't make much sense. No. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a bit of a folly, I think, overall. I mean, again, you, you, you draw a pie chart of 
well, yeah, his yeah. cash flow and earnings, and he's, it's such a tiny slither. So you could probably argue that, well, you know, what difference does it make? Mm-hmm. But then again, that's the argument also on the other side. Like again, what difference does it make? Maybe they're <laughs> going. Maybe the maybe the argument is: look, it's a very small amount of cash. Yeah. There's a one in a hundred chance that we spin out of this the, the next Facebook, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and and in which case, you know, hooray. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, do, it does seem like oh, you guys are doing that. Interesting. I wouldn't have guessed it. <laughs> Interesting air quotes. I would suggest. Um, mate, I, I've, we've got a topic to talk about, which I'm going to hold over to to, uh, to Sunday. Just listeners, just just trust that Andrew's going to have a rant on Sunday. Oh, um, I am, I am going to rant. I'm just looking at the clock, going, "Oh, we, we're not, not going <laughs> to have gonna enough time it. for me to shake my fist." <laughs> I did at the, the same. And I, I, you know what? I thought I could ask him about it, but I won't give him enough time. I'll let him rant on on Sunday. So it's normally our mailbag episode this Sunday, but we will start with a special Andrew Page rant. You don't want to miss this one. Uh, let me let me stick on Woolies End just for one second more, mate, just to kind of round this out. Some companies would say, I'm an iron ore miner. I'm going to go into coal to diversify my operations because mm-hmm. diversification is important. Mm-hmm. The, the counter argument to that is, hey, how about you let shells do the diversification? Mm-hmm. We bought shares in an iron ore company because we wanted shares in an iron ore company. Mm-hmm. It's a really naughty one. On one case, on one hand, CEOs are tasked with maximising value for shareholders. And if I'm, if I'm Woolworths and I think, hey, I can maximise value by having a VC fund because the returns there are going to be better than the returns on groceries. So actually, I'm actually improving shareholders a lot by doing this stuff. Mm. Or if you're an iron ore miner, you say, I can see that this is going to be super cyclical and uh, at some point we're going to have less profits. So I'm going to take some of these profits and invest in something else that's going to make more money. Mm. Where is the line between a company, you know, this is not, it's not a family office, it's not a family company. If you, if you own, you know, Page Incorporated, you can do a few different things because you want to diversify internally for your family's benefit. Mm. Should BHP be getting into supermarket retailing to diversify its operations and, and, and maximise value for shareholders? Or does BHP kind of, you know, Shell's entitled to say, mate, I own Woolies already. I own BHP separately. There's very good reasons I own both those businesses. Mm. I bought an iron ore mine. Stay doing what you're doing. Where's, where's the role of management deciding whether to do that stuff on behalf of shareholders versus running, uh, you know, at Berkshire, to use your example before, I own shares in Berkshire Hathaway. Um, you know, the guy in the shoe business doesn't get into insurance to diversify the business because he says, I'll do the shoes, you do the insurance. That's how this works. Mm. Where's, the, where's that line for company management boards? I, I think it's, it's largely a, a question of, of honest and clear communication. So the mm. value proposition is clear. Hey, invest with yeah. us. And we're going to be doing all of these things. And you want them to be, you know, within their sort of their wheelhouse uh, where they have an advantage um, and you know what you're getting into. So West Farm has got into something, you know, different. You're like, well, that's, you're a conglomerate. That's what, that's what you do. No, no one would blink. Um, uh, Woolies gets into iron ore mining. You think, whoa, that's really radically different. So I think, I think what you, what a big part of what the board's, Responsibility mm. and management's is is a, a clear articulation of of their corporate strategy. Mm. We are we are a business that does this. We believe mm. we've got some good competitive advantages in this, and this is what we're going to do. Now, if two years later, out of the blue, you just diversify into a completely <laughs> different. That's where it's wrong. Yeah. That's where it's yeah. wrong. If if it just seems like yeah, just absolute sort of folly. If, however, that's always been the value prop. Hey, mm. we've we've got mm. a very wonderfully cash generative business here. 
we can do a lot of stuff with this. We think we've got an edge in these sort of areas and we're going to be pursuing all of these kind of stuff. You'd think, okay, cool. I know what I know as a shareholder what I'm getting in, in for yeah. and I can make my own assessment. So for me, it's not, it, it's, it's not so much whether or not they're doing it, it's whether or not they're being consistent and, con- and clear with shareholders in terms of what their intentions are because you're entrusting them with your money. And, and I just, I, I'm, I'm, I want you to, I don't want any surprises <laughs> beyond the ones that I can't control for, Yeah, you know? So, um, and, and maybe look, maybe we, we could talk about Fortescue, right? So mm-hmm. they're an iron yes, ore miner. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then boom, out of yep. left field, you know, green yep. energy and what? Mm-hmm. Uh, the heck? Mm-hmm. Now, Tookie's probably done a pretty good job, I think, of articulating the case for why we're going to do that, why they're going to do that. Um, so that that's 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 probably an example of something that is has a been a radical change from the past, but perhaps some good reasoning behind it, and clearly sort of articulated to people, and and you can sort of make your judgment on, on that as an investor, as opposed to all of a sudden company A out of the blue announcing that they're <laughs> you know going into something completely. I, I don't know. I don't. There's a lot of nuance in all of that. Um, you do want. I, I do. I. Uh, the main thing that worries me, when, when you've got some really capable entrepreneurial people yeah. who are just really wonderful capital allocators, I'm really prepared to give them a lot of rope because they're, they're, they're good at, at creating value. Um, so it does depend on a case-by-case case basis. When you've got companies going into things purely on folly, it just mm-hmm. – mm, maybe Flight Center is a good example here. Um like with 100 bikes, is it or 99 Nine, bikes? 99 bikes, one less, exactly. <laughs> 99 bikes, because the yeah. uh, founder's son is a cycling enthusiast. You know, yeah. that's that's yeah. a little bit different. You're yeah. like, well, what's this got to do with running a travel agency? Yeah. And Jerry yeah. Harvey bought some uh, cattle farms, as I recall, for Harvey Norman at one point. Too. You know, that 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 is far more heinous to me than mm-hmm. than than other examples. Yeah, that, that's just like this. This is this is because you want to. There's there's not any yeah. sort of sound yeah, sort of yeah. capital allocation decision consistent with a uh, long term corporate strategy. You know, that's just that's just the folly of 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 management, and and that and and I I judge it very differently. Yeah, I would say I, I'm I'm relatively sure both in both cases both CEOs thought there was value to be created, whether they were blinded by personal preferences or uh, other things is probably an open question as well. Of I'm sure neither Screw nor Jerry went into it with the case of, hey, we're going to lose money, but I'm going to look after the young kid here. Uh, he got it done with no money should he, should he have chosen to. So I think there's an element of, you know, okay, well, it seems like a smart idea. Yeah, sure, we'll back you and see what you yeah. can do with it. But I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm in 100% agreement and 100% disagreement, mate, I have to say. Mm. I, I think a CEO's job is to maximise the value of the company. If there's ways to be worth more by doing some things that the company should be good at, I'm 100% supportive. On the other hand, I'm not sure every company in the ASX, even if they then say, we're going to become something different, it's like, to your point, they, they work for us, right? It's like, no, no, I, I, I own a supermarket division. Mm. You know, again, at, at Berkshire, the, 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 the shoe guy's not going to say to Warren, so, look, I'm going to get in the insurance business, okay? It's like, no, 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 you're, mm. you're my shoe division. That's what mm. you do. Mm. I take the excess capital from that. Yeah. And I go and use that money and I go and put money in insurance. I hire an insurer or I buy an insurer. I don't want every one of my divisions doing insurance plus boots plus manufacturing plus importing plus mm. selling Coke. Like mm. that's why I have, you know, as investors, as the owners of these businesses, part owners, I've got, you know, an electronics, online electronics retailer. I've got a, a miner. I've got a, you know, whatever else I've got. Um, I don't want them doing that. Like, you know what I mean? So it's kind mm. of like I get the, I get the, the objective of like maximize value. 
the other hand, I'm kind of like, I don't want you to change the corporate strategy. I'm not I, like I bought the shares in the company. Unless mm. I'm literally backing the seat, unless I buy the shares to say, Andrew Page, he's a great guy. I'm going to invest in Strawman Inc. And when Strawman Inc. moves into straws and men rather than online investment products, then great because I, I, I'm investing in Andrew. I'm, I'm investing in the entrepreneurial spirit. Of the, I'm investing in the cash box. I'm going to trust him to do whatever he wants. Mm. If I buy Woolies, I'm not saying I'm going to, I'm going to buy Woolies because Brad Banducci might have a great idea to one day launch a competitor to strawman.com. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, even if it's a smart, capable guy, it's like it's not, it's not what I want from this part of my portfolio. I want retail exposure. I, I'm buying a retailer. Yeah. I'm, I find I'm really, really, I'm honestly, mate, completely conflicted on this one. I, I, I'm also mindful, by the way, most acquisitions don't work and Peter Lynch called diversification diversification for very good reason. So mm. I also think probably financially and probabilistically, they probably should just stick to their anything. But I, I don't know. It's a, it's a really, really tough well, one. Well, there, there are some things where there are advent, uh, advantaged um, yeah. situations. So a yeah. good example, speaking of Woolies, right? So Woolies got into insurance yeah, and uh, credit cards mm-hmm. and like, wow, why, why not? That's actually, we've, we've got lots of cash. Like yeah. on the, we, 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 we can fund all of this kind of stuff. We've got, you know, tens of thousands of people in, in our um, stores every day. It's just, there's actually, it's like, yeah, on one hand, it's a very different kind of business, but mm-hmm. two, it's, it's an area that they are very structurally advantaged in because mm. of their cash flow scenarios and their mm. presen- points of presence and all that. It actually makes a huge amount of sense. Mm. So I guess, I guess the answer to the question is you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's really it's, – if, if management can make a very – if they can articulate a really clear strategy and – and understand that they are advantaged by pursuing that, then I'm all I'm all for it, even if it is a little bit of a left turn. Um, yeah. If it's if it's not that kind of stuff, then then that's that's where it's different. So yeah, it's hard it's hard to general. I I totally hear what you're saying, by the way, um, but it, it is really a case by case basis. I think that's right. I'm not sure what I'm saying other than I'm conflicted. Mate, uh, we've, we've gone over time and we've still left a rant for Sunday. So, listeners, make sure you come back. It's going to be fun. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, if you want to ask us a question, pose us a comment, or just follow us on social media. We'd love you to do that. Um, just simply jump onto, I'll do Andrew's first, on Twitter, only on Twitter, at sage underscore Simeon or at strawmaninvest. On Twitter and Insta, I'm at TMF Scott P. The Motley Fool is at the Motley Fool AU. You can jump onto Facebook at, uh, sorry, facebook.com slash Scott Phillips Money or slash The Motley Fool Australia. Don't forget too, we have another podcast, The Good Oil with Scott Phillips and a YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search The Motley Fool Australia or if you want to, just go to youtube.com slash C slash FoolAU and you can find us there. But until Sunday, get ready for a rant. Fool on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.